Well, this morning, I got to uh, I got to share with you what the Lord laid in my heart this week, and I have to do it in coveralls because I don't want what's going to happen to land on my suit. I got to tell you, first of all, it's kind of exciting when the Lord shared the picture with me, and then I began going about in obedience, putting it together, just watching how it all came together. Um, I needed a windshield for this morning's message. So I... Um, I'm just going to slide this over a bit. Yeah, you guys can come behind here and... Uh, you guys go. Yeah, that's good. So I um, I phoned one of the windshield companies in town, Crackmasters. That's where I go, and I said, um, "Do you guys have a windshield that is cracked?" He goes, "No, we don't have any." I thought you said you were Crackmasters. <laughs> he said, "I don't have any cracked ones, any broken ones. We get rid of them." He said, "If you come back on Monday, he says I'll have about eight of them." But he says, "I don't have any in right now." And, and I said, okay. I said, this is what I'm doing. I just gave him a thing. He goes, well, why don't you come down anyway? He says, uh, I'll give you a new one to take to church. So I went down there yesterday, had a chance, went to pick it up. And um, so he was there alone. He was on the phone. Then he got off. And so we went in the back. And so explained to him, you know, the whole deal, what was going on. He said, uh, he said, would you want to keep it? I said, no. I said, I just need it for Sunday, and I'll bring it back again. He said, Okay. So we looked around a few different ones, and he says, you know what? He says, just take whichever one you want and keep it. Leave it to Eve. I mean, Jane. Leave it, leave it to her. So anyway, chose the windshield because I wanted something that was big and high, the whole deal. And um, he said, you just have it, Paul. Just take it. I just thought, and I just said, I said, that's the favor of God. We ended up there for 15 minutes, and I preached to him the sermon you're going to get today. And at the end of it, reawakened inside of him some things from years ago and childhood that were alive, that had been dormant for years and years and years. And when I walked out of Crackmasters, almost had an altar call. But I'll tell you, the, the, man, the man was alive in the spirit, it was, it was beautiful. So I just want to tell you, even if you get nothing out of today, God already used this message. So this will just be bonus. I just want to read one scripture before we begin today, and it is in Matthew 5. Uh, those of us who've been to Israel, we've stood on the Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus preached. Matthew 5, 7 says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, I thank you again that when your word goes forth, it does not return void. And I thank you again today that you have prepared every heart for what you are wanting to share here. Before we begin, I ask for a fresh anointing. Holy Spirit, would you take literal possession of my mind, my mouth? I only want to say what I hear you say and do what I see you do. I thank you for what you have in store for today. Thank you for what you poured out on my heart. Give me faithfulness to deliver it correctly. 
With the authority you have given in the name of Jesus, I bind up every demonic, interfering, and deceiving spirit. I command you to be silent. You shut up right now in Jesus' name. You will not hinder the seed from going forth. And I command every spirit outside the walls of this building, I declare this holy ground, and I declare every heart teachable. I release an anointing of understanding. Transform us with your word. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Richard, can I have you bring over all of that stuff on the table, all the jugs and all the pails and all that stuff? I got to just lay it out to you the way the Lord laid it out to me. And at the very beginning, and I, I got to say too, at the end of it, when I brought it out to my vehicle, he goes, just, just wait a minute, call. He goes, I'll clean it for you. And as soon as he said that, it just jumped in my spirit and I said, uh, no, Jim, don't clean it. I said, I want to leave it this way for the beginning of it. Now, got to tell you, I would have loved to have had it clean because clean would be better. You can just, you can just put it on the floor. Yeah, right there. Richard, I'd like you to just position yourself on that seat. Yeah, that's great. On that seat, right in the center of the window. Would you do that? That's good. So I just need to practice for a second. Are you are you okay back there? Good. Just want to make sure it doesn't get through to you because you don't have a skadoos you don't. So I want to give you the picture in the beginning. I want you to understand of all the people who lived on the earth apart from Jesus, who had the purest of heart and was able to see God with the absolute clearest image. Who was it? Adam and Eve. In the Garden of Eden, God made Adam and Eve. There was absolute purity in their heart. They saw God. They talked to him. They walked with him. It was an absolute perfect relationship. Let me say this really clearly. That is the relationship that God intended for all of us to have. Every one of us were supposed to know that, but there was a design of the enemy to steal. And you and I know exactly what that's about. The enemy came, deceived Eve. She went over to Adam. They bit, and all of a sudden, there was a change of nature. And here's the image. If this was absolutely clear, I want you to think that this is a person's heart. And it says, the pure in heart see God. So if I'm Adam and I'm on this side, I see God. Richard is God today. I see him with absolute clarity through a totally clean window. Now, I just want to say this to you at the very beginning. How many of you enjoy driving down the road with your vehicle, muddied, your windshield muddied, dirtied, cracked, all of that bugs, bug, what's the last thing to go through a bug's mind when he hits a windshield? His butt. You're right. Okay. How many of you handle or can enjoy a dirty windshield? You enjoy driving like that. How many of you? Okay, none of us. The reality is we want clarity. And I just want to say to you that is built into us in the flesh and it's built into us in the spirit. Adam looked with an absolute clear window. His heart was pure. He saw God. They talked. They were intimate. He saw him exactly the way he was. The enemy comes and changes it. And I'll I'll do this in in a different... But the moment they sinned, The nature of the heart changed, and the heart became dirty, and he no longer saw God clearly. We know that. In fact, the moment he heard of God in the garden, they went running, and all of a sudden he was afraid of God as compared to being embraced by God. Can I say this really clearly? When you see God wrongly, you're afraid of him, or you avoid him, or you want nothing to do with him. When you see him wrong, it affects that relationship. The truth is, when you see him right, you want to move in. You want to get closer. You want to know him better. When you see him properly, you embrace. When you see him wrongly, you withdraw. Now, 
want you to get this picture. In the Old Testament, there, there was no sin forgiven in the Old Testament. Am I right? Sin was not forgiven. What they did is they took animals, drained the blood, they sprinkled it. We know all about that. And I just wanted to give you the picture that in the Old Testament, the sin or that nature that, that blocked them, it was never forgiven. It was covered. Okay? That's what atonement, atonement covers it. So the sin was still present in people's lives. This was their nature, all they'd done wrong, but that blood covered it. It was never removed. And can I say this? Until Jesus died and rose again, it was still there present in every person. Now I want to tell you something that's going to tick some of you off. But I, I gotta, I just have to, did I get you, Wayne? Did I get you? This is not dirty enough for me because sin nature makes it so that it is absolutely You okay, Elaine? Oh, sorry about that. I want you to get the image that the sin nature literally blocks out the truth of who God is, makes it so we can't even see him, makes it so that some people actually don't even believe that God's on the other side. You understand what I'm saying? There are some people who actually believe there is no God. Now I want you to think of this. Here's the politically incorrect statement. The world is teaching, okay, and I want you to understand, this that separates from God, this is the dirt, the, the fallen nature and all the wrong, that separates. The question is, how do we remove that to have a relationship with God? I, I want to tell you a couple of things the world has come up with. There's some, there's some great theologies out there. One of them is, okay, when it comes to this issue in their life, one of them is there is no God. That's one of them. Here's the other one, is that when a person is born, they're born with a totally clear windshield. They're born innocent. They're born and get his angels. Okay, that's the way they are. There is no sin. There's no brokenness. They're born perfect. The concept that a child is born with a fallen nature and separated from God and needs to come into a relationship, for some people it's like, what the hell are you talking about? There's a theology that says they're innocent. They're perfect. They're pure. And that theology makes it that if I'm pure and I'm good, I don't even need God. That belief says, I'm not even looking for Him. Let me give you another theology that's in the church and out of the church. The Apostle Paul says this. How many people do you know have the mentality that say, you know, I don't really need relationship with God. I just have to be a good person. All I got to do is good things. The Apostle Paul tried that, and the Apostle Paul said this. He said, all the good things we do is like a filthy rag. Now watch this. Here's my good works. Oh, I gave to the Red Cross. Oh, I'm giving some money to the cancer place. Oh, I helped my neighbor shingle his roof. Oh, and we could just go on and on. I'm taking my good works, my filthy rags, thinking those good works are going to make it so that I'm good enough if there is a belief to get to heaven, my good works are going to clean my window and I'll be able to go to heaven. 
Now, how stupid did I look taking a filthy rag and trying to make my heart... How stupid did I look? And yet I want to tell you, the enemy has a pile of people in this world, the majority of people in this world, looking totally stupid, going, I'm just good. I haven't killed anybody. I didn't have an abortion. I'm not robbing on my taxes. I didn't run anybody over with a van. I'm a good person. Can I just say this to you? You know it to be true. If our goodness could have cleared our window and caused us to have a relationship with God, Jesus was the most stupid person who ever walked the earth. If you and me being good could have done it, why did he have to do what he did? Here's the question, and, and I want to ask. This is the question God had to come up the answer with. I love what Zach shared this morning, didn't you? We're children before we're men. Men, that just sets us free from fixing anything in our wife's world. Can I just say that bluntly? God had to come up with a solution because he wanted our relationship with God to be restored. And I just say this, there is only one solution. And I'll share it with you. When you have a dirty windshield when you're driving down the road, what do you use to clean it? How many of you use windshield washer fluid? What do the rest of you use? Huh? Gas station attendant? Wow, that's just too honest. Are you from the 50s? So I want to show you what uh, I want to show you what what we do. I might need a clean rag. Jane, could you run to the kitchen and get a clean rag for me? I only brought one. That's still a filthy rag, isn't it? Whose white sweater is this? Could I? Well, This is what we do in the flesh, guys. Our window, our window gets dirty. I'm going to use a clean rag right away. But we got it shooting out of our vehicle to begin taking all the mud, all the dirt. We use something that is able to clean it. Now, I'm not going to take the time Oh, you have faith, brother. Thank you. I'm not going to take the time to clean it totally, but I want you to think, when you're dealing with a person's sin and fallen nature, what is the only way to get the window clean? What is it? What's the cleaner? It's the blood of Christ. We know that. Now, this is not a perfect image. And I just want to say, when Jesus comes to wash, he cleans the entire heart, makes it pure again. But I want you to get an image that there requires something apart from you and I in order to clean that sin nature, to clean our sin away, to make our heart pure again so that the pure in heart can see God. Can I just say this really clearly? If the heart is not clean, if your heart is not clean, you can't see God properly. We can't see him properly. So God came and said, there's only one solution. There's only one chemical that has the ability to clean the nature, to remove the sin. He goes, that's the blood of my son. That's the deal. The blood of his son came. He applied the blood to the heart. 
And all of a sudden, every person, he says, all you have to do is believe, and I'll come and wash your heart. Now, hear what the Bible says. The Bible, all the way down in the very beginning, but Jesus came and said, if you believe in me, he said, I want you to do two things. Number one, believe in your heart, and you'll be saved. And number two, I want you to be baptized. He said, when you believe, First of all, without anybody seeing it, I take the blood and I wash the window clean. That's what happens in the invisible realm. But he goes, if that's what you have done, I want you to cross the second line and I want you to do something visibly, publicly. I want you to do something to declare your faith in me. Something that says that I have come and I've cleaned your heart. I've restored relationship. We're good again. I want you to do something outside, not just inside. So here's what Jesus said. When he came, he said this. If you believe, I've washed your heart with my blood. But after you believe, I want you to do something that looks absolutely innocuous, something that looks totally normal. He goes, I want you publicly to take normal water, mix it with my word, and I want you publicly to take your body and allow me to come and with the water, to give it an extra washing, even though it's already clean. And can I just, can I just say really clearly, the, the water doesn't remove our sin. It doesn't do that. The faith does. The blood does. But he said the water and the word comes, and he says, when you are baptized the water and the word, he goes, that is an evidence that you have relationship, that I have cleaned your heart, and we are restored. That's what baptism is. Now, can I ask you a question? Have any of you ever sinned after you've been baptized? Just raise your hand, would you? The rest of you are lying in church. What are you, what are you doing? That seems to be epidemic here. Can I tell you what happens? We do, right? And, and here, if I had a felt pen, I would go like this. I don't have a felt pen, so I'll just make a mark down here. Okay? Here's the cool thing. When my life has been cleansed by the blood of Christ and I've been baptized and, and washed with the water, my spirit man is in relationship with God all the time, even when I end up sinning outwardly and I do things that are wrong. My relationship with God, this purity, is not broken. I just need to deal with the sin that the enemy would use to affect my life. So what happens when, when we sin? What do we do, guys? Those who believe, we apply the blood. We say, Father, forgive me. I was stupid. Would you wash me clean of all my sin? And he goes, he's faithful and just to forgive, cleanse us all in righteousness. We ask forgiveness, we apply the blood, and our window is clean again. How many times do we have to do that? If you're like me, i got to do that daily, a couple times a day. But what do you do in your life? If you are sinning, you're doing wrong. Everybody does wrong. You know that. Only the fool goes, hey, I'm, I'm perfect. But what do you do if you don't have the blood and how to apply it? What do you do? What do you do if you do something wrong and you know it's wrong and you don't apply the blood so there's condemnation and there's shame and there's guilt and there's unworthiness and it's like, oh man, I don't even want to see God. I don't want to have devotions because I can't even approach. What do you do if you don't know how to apply the blood? And can I just say this to you clearly? There's a pile of mature believers out there that don't know how to apply the blood in order to walk free, in order to walk holy, in order to have this unstained relationship with God. When I come with God, I want to see Him and I want to hear Him because my heart is pure. 
let me just tell you what you already know. Not one of us has the ability to make our heart pure on our own. Not one person can do that. And I want to say this really bluntly. You can throw a mat on the ground. You can throw a mat on the ground and face toward Mecca. And five times a day you can do the bow thing and your heart is still not pure. Let me tell you, you can be across the street and go door to door and knock and hand out pamphlets and try and scare the hell into people and your heart isn't made pure. You want me to go through them all? I could name for you every religion on the face of the earth and how they're trying to get that heart pure. But I'll tell you, when they die, their heart is still, and their sinful nature is still blocking them from God. And they just have a fear and hope going, I hope that when I die, something good's coming. Have you ever heard of the theology of worms? It's this. People have the belief that goes, you know what? There's nothing out there. I don't have to be accountable. I don't have to deal with this crap here when I die. I'm just going to go on the ground and be eaten by worms anyway. Isn't that a wonderful theology? I'll tell you what it is. It's a doctrine of demons. But when we know how to apply the blood, and we all make mistakes, and we all will, when we've come to Christ and he's washed that sinful nature away, we enter the waters of baptism, and it's a symbol, it's a sign, it just says he has washed us clean. It's called the washing of regeneration. That's what baptism, the washing of regeneration. We've been born again. We're new creatures. It's that water symbolizes, I'm coming out of the water different than I went in. But if we don't know how to apply the blood when we're messing up, that stuff stays there. And pretty soon, how many believers have their hearts so full of crap that it affects their relationship with God? Can I tell you a condition? When your toilet gets plugged, who do you phone? Or your husband. You phone a plumber and say, my toilet's plugged. It's not removing all the stuff anymore. Can I ask you a question? What happens when your heart is plugged with filth and sin and, and you don't know who to phone? What do you do? Can I tell you there's a pile of plugged hearts out there that are broken in relationship with God and the enemy just loves it. They don't know how to clean. They don't know how to apply the blood. They don't know how to keep themselves spotless and holy so that relationship with God is there. Can I just say this to you? Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? Because they will see and hear God. I'm going to tell you something that's totally politically incorrect. There is only one solution on the planet to remove the blacked out, fallen nature of man. Only one. This is it. You think the day is going to come when we're going to be in trouble for, for saying there's only one way? Yeah, that day's already here. You step out in the street and you go, there's only one way to get to heaven, only one way to God. People look at you and go, you bigot. You are so narrow-minded. You are so unloving. How can you be so judgmental? It's not me. It's not me. I'm just quoting Jesus when he was here on earth. They killed him for it. it likely some of us might get that as well. But that doesn't change the truth that there's only one way. Here's the beautiful thing. The Bible says that when I'm a child of God, and I end up marrying someone else who's a child of God, like Jane, and we have a child, the Bible says that long before our child understands what's going on, before they even have acknowledgement, by faith we can take our child to the waters of baptism, and we can apply 
the water and the word to them. And the Bible says this, it's not the water that makes our child holy, it's our faith that makes them holy. 1 Corinthians 7.14. As a believing parent, it says our children are holy because of our faith. Until they reach the age of accountability, where they recognize they need Jesus, that they need to ask forgiveness, they need to enter in that age of accountability, they themselves come, and all of a sudden, that whole thing is removed, and now they begin applying the blood. So when you take a baby by faith and you baptize it, you're just saying, by faith, this child is holy, and we're going to raise him up to know Jesus. What's the age of accountability? How many of us received Christ in our life when we were five years old? Yeah, some of us did. How many of us would have liked to receive Jesus when we were five? Yeah, most of us would. That age of accountability is different. I know some three-year-olds who have an absolutely clear understanding of their relationship with God, and they pray, open the door of their heart, pray to ask Jesus in, in childlike faith. Can I just say this to you? I, I believe that God loves childlike faith. It's when you get that adult that really is confusing. Most adults put too much into it. The kids just go, hey, come in. Watch me. We take children and baptize them. This morning we have an amazing privilege of bringing a young man, Chance. Chase, sorry, Chase. In his relationship with God, growing over this time, coming and saying, I would like to be baptized. I would like to do outwardly what's happened in me inwardly. I would like the water and the word to be put on my life as an evidence that I believe in Jesus, that he's washed me clean, and I want to grow in that relationship with him. Isn't that beautiful? Before I have him come, I just want to pray for a moment. Would you guys carefully take all of that back over there? Can we give a hand to Elaine and Wayne and Richard? Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, you understand very clearly that the design of the enemy is to keep all of us from recognizing our need for you and what you did on the cross that the power of your blood can do only what it can do, and that is remove our sin nature and cleanse us and restore relationship. I ask Holy Spirit for revelation and understanding in all of us, and I ask today that you would teach us and empower us to know how to apply the blood so that we can live continually clean with pure hearts in relationship with you. And I thank you, Father, for what you have done in Chase's life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you have brought him today to the place where he is wanting to be baptized in the water, an outward evidence of an inward reality. So I release your grace over him now as he comes. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, Amen. At the end of today's sermon, on your way out, we have a pop blessing and then a shower after. But if you are leaving right after, Dennis is going to meet you by the door. And I have a uh, jug of windshield washer fluid for every one of you this morning. So when you leave here today, you make sure you talk to Dennis and you get your jug. There'll be one per couple, or if you're a single, uh, you can pick up your jug. And you take that with you wherever you stick it. My prayer is every time you turn your little thing on your vehicle and it shoots up at you, that the Spirit will remind you. We know how to apply it to a dirty windshield. We need to learn how to apply it our heart and keep it clean. Amen? How many of you want a windshield jug washer? How many of you want one? Yeah. The rest of you are lying, so I don't know what you're doing again, but...